Hello and welcome to the Sporting History Podcast, brought to you by the British Society of Sport History, in association with the Institute of Historical Research. This week I'll be talking to Veronica Smith of the University of York, but first I've had a chance to catch up with RAF because it's the first seminar of 2020 for us, which will feature Veronica. Um, but we've also got some other seminars coming up, haven't we, Raf? Can you tell us about that? We have, Jeff. Um, so we've got, um, after Veronica's paper, we're going to have two more papers coming up this term. Um, and the next one will be Liam O'Callaghan from Liverpool Hope University talking about Protestants and sport in Ireland, the case of rugby football, 1875 to 1925. I'll be looking forward to that because I've written about some of that myself. So. Okay, that's going to be on Monday the 24th of February. Yeah. Um, at the usual starting time of 6pm Um, and then the next one will also be on a Monday at 6pm the 23rd of March uh, and that will be Alastair Webb from MMU Manchester Metropolitan University talking about the role of history in contemporary sporting events a case study of the bidding process for major cricket matches in England and Wales. That's one hell of a title. (laughs) (laughs) I think it'll be good um, because he gave a paper at our BSSH conference um, last September and it was interesting, definitely. Um, So I'll be looking forward to that one. I think, unfortunately, I'm going to miss Liam's because I'm going to be in Australia for the Women's World 2020. Well, you're dead to me now. (laughs) Obviously, I can tune into the podcast. Absolutely. That is the whole uh, joy of the podcast (laughs) is that even if you're not physically here, you can still get the excitement remotely. Well, sunning myself on the beach in Australia. I'm not jealous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Um, so if you want to come along to either of those uh, seminars, um, they're free. Uh, you just come along to the IHR, say that you want to go to the Sport and Leisure History Seminar, and the guy in the door will tell you where it is. And so I hope we do see some of you listeners uh, there at those two. But now I'm going to turn to Veronica and uh, chat about... Uh, stained glass in 19th century England. So as I said, uh, I'm here today talking to Veronica Smith of the University of York. Hi Veronica. Hello. Uh, Veronica is in the middle of a PhD on the history of arts, uh, where she's looking at the role of stained glass in the municipal and domestic architecture of the 19th and early 20th centuries in British cities, Victorian Britain I guess. Victorian Britain and Edwardian. Yeah. Yeah. So Veronica, your paper is about a very special place in Manchester. Can you tell us some more about the Victoria Baths and their place in the development of Manchester? Yes, I can do. Um, So the Victoria Baths were sort of the the pinnacle of uh, public wash house and Turkish bath design in in Manchester. Um, It it was sort of the end of a long period of uh, public baths being built in the area in lots of different suburbs. And I think they first came to the area in about 1853. And so the Victoria Baths were... Um, this the grandest example um, that Manchester had had of, of public baths, um, and it was that it was sort of multi-purpose. There was um, there was the Turkish bath complex, which was one of the kind of grandest and most opulent in the in the city, if not the whole country, really. Um, and then it was uh, situated between all the um, swimming pool areas, which were divided by. Um, first class males and then second class males and then females so um, so it has this really interesting um, segregation yeah. of um, gender and class yeah it's um, interesting that you brought up the segregation because that was a question I really wanted to sort of ask you is about how the, how yeah how are people separated out how does that segregation work um, well they all had their own separate entrance ways so and that's actually um, in relief 
sculpture over the doorways so everyone knew their own place and so as you walk into the building through whichever entrance way um, you go to get to the pay office which um, depending on what gender or class you were is decorated as so as the Edwardians thought it should be so the first class males is all very opulent and lots of tile work uh, by Pilkingtons and then um, there's tons of stained glass around the building as um, as you first enter um, the male's entranceway. Um, there's the cricket uh, window right to the left, which uh, most first class males would have seen. And also um, the first class pool was also used as the gala pool. So anyone who was coming as a spectator would have um, seen all that kind of decoration. And, okay. um, but that was obviously to showcase... Um, as well as being limited to first-class males, it was also to showcase the city of Manchester and the and sort of the powerhouse it had become at that point. So there's all sorts of municipal symbolism in the yeah, baths. Yeah, well. in the baths. Uh, well, in the first-class uh, males' pool, it's again, it's obviously the most richly decorated. But again, um, in the stained glass, um, in every pool, the first-class, second-class, and females' pool all have a very large window at the top of each. Um, each side of the pool so in the first class um, there's an image of a galleon um, in the centre which is um, interesting because it's linking this uh, Manchester with international trade mm. and it's trying to show Manchester off as this centre of or centre of, of the universe really as it, as it thought itself was but um, by comparison in the second class males there's lands landscape scenes and there's um, a windmill and a castle but they're kind of quite pastoral themes mm. and sort of so people were might make you think of the past and um and how completely opposite that was to the area of manchester at the time and also interestingly in the the females pool of these kind of large windows there's actually no central scenery it's a very art nouveau um image and um, with lots of purples and yellows and lots of floral imagery but no central scene so right. that's something that's that interesting. I think is quite interesting yeah um, and you, you mentioned that there's a stained glass of a cricketer um, yes the, the slides that I, I was given a little preview of Victoria's uh, Veronica's slides um, there are lots of slides of different sporting activities yes. aren't there can you yeah. can you describe some more of those for yeah us? so um, because I, I do sort of interlink the pool windows with these ones, but um, the sportsman windows are all across the uh, f uh, ground floor front facade windows um, from left to right. And so you've got um, cricket, first of all, and then you have football. So and that's on the other side of the males first class males entrance way. And then um, then there's boxing, which is in the second class males entrance way. And then, um, then there's wrestling, and that's in the Turkish baths restroom. So in between boxing and and, and wrestling, there's the, this the Turkish bath complex, which has got this really grand um, imagery mm. as well, um, which I'll talk about later. Um, and then there is uh, an image of running, um, and that's in the second class males pay booth. And then in the women's waiting room, there's an image of a golfer. So, oh, okay. um, is it male golfer or female? Male golfer. Male golfer yeah, so. all male, all male yeah. um, sports, um, which is very interesting. So obviously, where there would have should have been a woman, I think, is this golfer. Um, but looking into the history of golf, and this is what a lot of um, my research has been about. Victoria Bass is the mm. history of the sports themselves, and why would golf have been chosen uh, for this area? And this. Um, the waiting room was it's, it's quite funny really um because obviously women wouldn't 
it might have been more better for them to actually be escorted to the pool and back so there's kind of this waiting area for them yeah. to be picked up um but the golf um itself i think that that was one of the early sports that women were kind of accepted to play in yeah, yeah. so um so i've i argue that that's sort of a reason why it's actually there yeah and, certainly um, in cb fries magazine you have photographs of elite women generally playing golf um yeah I think it was an accepted kind of yeah social activity wasn't it yeah and i think it was at the 1900 olympics where it was first mm. um women were first admitted to play golf so i i would say that that's probably why it's been chosen um but interestingly the, sorry no oh no <laughs> and i was just going to say about female imagery yeah. in general um well you see it a lot in other buildings but it's interesting in victoria baths in that the only place where women are depicted is um across the again across the um entranceways as mermaids and nymphs oh, so okay. um it's yeah. got that kind of interesting sort of a watery imagery yeah uh, association yeah yeah but the the kind of the class profile you mentioned how the um patrons of the pool are are split in by class in men yeah was that the case with the women though or was it no no, no they were all um they all just had the one entranceway so anyone in that area would have been it would have been a mixing of all classes yeah. um, potentially but whether the actual upper class ladies did use the pool I, we don't really know I don't think but certainly middle and and working class uh, women would have been using the same pool and um, how are you how are you finding out about the construction of the pool um, where, where are the archives for this they're all at uh, Victoria Baths oh, right. um, so they yeah they've got archive. they've got their own archive but yeah. there is some at um, the Central Library in Manchester as well yeah. but Victoria Baths do have their own archive and with lots of photographs and, and things do so. they have the kind of the decision-making process behind it because sometimes archives you think oh there's there's going to be some good stuff here, but there's, there's just in terms of a the rubber stamping imagery of the windows. Yeah. No, no, there's absolutely nothing about the windows, um, which is it's an ongoing area of research for a, a few people there, mm. and and as well as myself. But in in terms of the authorship, because nothing there's nothing listed in any minutes about it, even though the it's absolutely stuffed full of, of stained glass. The, the whole building there's absolutely no reference to it in any archives or minutes the committee minutes right. um, and we don't know the author of the windows although it is obviously with the building itself being a showcase of um, Manchester and Manchester artists because they're obviously like Pilking's doing the tiles um, and Ellison's provided the, the turnstiles it's it's likely to be a Manchester firm and there were lots of firms in the Manchester area at that time um, working in, in, in that style mm. so and when I say that style I mean um, apart, aside from the sportsman windows, which are these lovely painted medallions, um, it's all sort of Art Nouveau style and with lots of textured glasses. So um, that kind of um, trend for using textured glasses to represent form um, is something that, that several Manchester stained glass artists were interested in doing. Yeah, and the way that um, the sports are depicted, what are the models for those? Are they taking any models from, from real life or from um, press? No. Not that I found. Or... Oh, I wish they wish they were. Um, <laughs> yeah. The only um, information on that is the footballer window, um, and that is um, was supposedly based on a relative of um, the actual stained glass artist. But and um, that's not confirmed itself. Um, but there's, in terms of sportsmen, no, there's there's no one. It seems like they're taking their yeah. um, models from. To, it does choose it, a yeah, local hero. It, it or... does really because that's one thing I was really yeah. interested in in terms of what was popular in Manchester at the time and were they um, were they looking to any particular um, 
famous sportsmen, but I haven't so far managed yeah. to find anything. And have you found out anything about the people who were using the baths and what they thought or what the public thought of the baths when they were first built? Um, what was the reception like, I suppose, on getting it? I'm not sure that there's... I'm not sure that there's a huge amount on that itself, and I'm still looking into um, the kind of the occupations of, of the people who were using the baths, and particularly the Turkish baths area, because mm. it's quite interesting to know who was actually using the space. But um, in terms of the reception, they're doing a lot of um, oral history work at Victoria Baths, so they people um, talk to them about their memories of it. Okay. Um, so when did they close down? Oh, I think it was about the early the early nineties. I think it right. was nineteen ninety two ish. Yeah, yeah, so and then yeah. yeah, and then there was a a big campaign to um, have it reopened. Um, yeah. and obviously the um, the BBC did the restoration program That's in right. two thousand and four. Yeah, so it won that competition. It won. It won. It won in two thousand and four, which was sort of um, something I think they were uh, working towards, and and from that they're still uh, looking for more funding. Um, Can you visit them now? Yes, you can. Yeah, there's uh, tours every Wednesday in the afternoon, um, and then they have lots and lots of events on um, over over the year. I think their public program starts in March or April, and uh, they have lots of weekend openings um, and lots of events on. They show films there. Yeah. Um, they have lots of things on. So yeah, you can you can get in there quite often. What what exactly are they repurposing it as? Is it, is it going to be a pool again? Or um, they ultimately want to have uh, one of the pools working, and um, they've said that that will likely be the females' pool because mm. um, I think because that's actually I'm not sure this is the reason but um, going back to the gender and class issue the, the females pool is the smallest pool mm. um, but also that the females pool is the most original in terms of its decoration so oh, okay. I think that um, that might be something to do with it but I'm sure there's lots of other factors but I actually did swim in the oh, in wow. Victoria Bass on their restoration open weekend yeah. uh, last September I went for a swim so that was in the gala pool so that was a really nice experience yeah. to actually yeah, yeah experience it as people would have done and yeah. looking around at everything and this is just one part of your wider phd is it um, yes what, it what's is. the what's the broader thrust of, of your um work? so the the broader uh, thrust is looking at um a secular stained glass of the victorian and edwardian periods um, and just trying to look at stained glass from a completely different perspective um, than it has been before, because obviously a lot of studies have focused on religious stained glass. Mm. Um, and there has been bits here and there on, on secular um, glass, but um, nothing that's been pulled together in a big study. So I'm trying to look at the, the cultural and social significance of stained glass. Um, so I, I think about lots and lots of different buildings. So I'm looking at town halls, pubs, libraries um or anything you can think of basically so um obviously victoria baths fits in because it's got um this like sporting history uh to it which is also another aspect of of culture um at, mm. in late victorian and early edwardian period and it was such a, a pivotal time for lots of sports from from the research i've done um that it's kind of this pinnacle of of um this when sport was becoming super um, yeah, I sort of, I was interested in that with the imagery of, of the sports uh, sportsmen, aren't they specifically? Um, and this idea of how, it, yeah, the, the the revolution in sport isn't there in the late nineteenth century of muscular Christianity and going together, literally going together with hygiene in terms of well, uh, yeah, exactly. Of these sports being located in in a public bath. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's something I'm really interested in in terms of the cleanliness aspect and hygiene and. Um, 
and how sport was seen as this really good and moral um, thing to do and, and how they, within the setting of a public bath, that's why it's so interesting. And it's a completely different space to mm. everywhere else I'm looking at because there's, it's got all these different things intermixing about um, cleanliness and a lot of I- the Victorian ideals of, of, um, of, thing, of that kind of thing. And um, so I, can't, I, I think there's actually a, um, an interweaving of stained glass with, with um, the sports and, um, and the building. It's like this massive um, area that's just, everything's just weaving together. They're like, um, yeah, so if you were a, a wealthy man, then you get all the posh stuff, but then there's all the, the, the history of cricket, for example, is, um, is interesting in itself. And, mm. and so and to me, that always seems like a more of a upper class sport, even though that, even though obviously everyone could play it, but, and it's just got this, there's just this interweaving of space and stained glass and, um, and health and lots yeah. of interesting things. Well, it's certainly a sport with quite a rigid class structure yeah. um, in, in, in those days, wasn't it? And so yeah. kind of that class structure being replicated in the bath. Yes, yeah. oh, it's fascinating. And you, you mentioned pubs. I mean, is sporting imagery something that pubs would use um, at that time as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't found lots of examples, but I'm sure there's a lot more out there. But there's certainly um, there's a pub in, in Halifax called the Gundog, which has mm. got some nice imagery um, of cricket again. But that's uh, whereas at Victoria Bath, it's a single player, um, sort of an action shot. Um, at the pub in um, Halifax, it's 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 a whole scene and it's got the whole team on and everyone is looking at it in a more of a broad vista and, oh, wow. um, yeah. which I've got an image of and um, and then there's rugby is the other one but and I find that really interesting because rugby's not represented in Victoria Baths but um, I believe that rugby wasn't as popular in Manchester at the time and obviously with Manchester having the two uh, yeah. football teams even yeah. though they're not as um, I don't, prominent or I don't know what the right word is as they are now they were still very significant in the early 1900s and so obviously therefore it's Victoria Bath is reflecting this um, the current trends really but um, yeah in terms of pubs there's another one um, in St Helens that I found some uh, greyhound malls kind of gambling related greyhound racing and um, horse racing as well so but I'd be interested in finding more so right. you know if <laughs> you ever pubs. see any let me know <laughs> <laughs> if you know a good pub with some stained glass yeah. then Veronica is <laughs> Veronica is the woman to uh, get in touch with <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> what stage of the PhD are you at now um, I'm in my uh, third year of the PhD yeah. so I'm really um, getting all my text together and um, starting to write it write it all up so um yeah, so it's it's going along it's going along very well and it's it's really broad. There's so many like one minute I'm looking at um, cricketers and then the next I'm looking at mollusks and, and uh, so because they're in other windows so yeah. it's so it's quite a broad range. But yeah, it's um it's just gathering everything together now and I've done all my case I've done all my case study work and selected everywhere I'm going to look at. So it's just a case of putting them all in the um and the chapters together. I'm about. I don't know, I'm over halfway through the, right. the writing. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, often the third year is the point at which you have to decide what you're going to reject as, yes. as much as what you're going to keep in, isn't it? Yeah, and kind of yeah. yeah there's been a you... lot of rejections. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but you can always save those snippets for, for the fu- other side fodder. projects. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. There's so, I've just seen so much um, lovely stuff as well. Um, so it's it's hard to choose what to, what to not put in because... You know, I've been around, I have looked at other uh, baths as well, and obviously in Manchester, but in uh, Bramley as well, and 
and it's just a case of going oh well actually i can't fit all that information in i can't say about you know do you know the ones in roubaix in uh, france no i don't i think it's from between the wars um so it's deco i think it was a bath spilt because roubaix was a mining town and it was built for the miners and it's it's an art museum now it's really stunning and they've got the a sort of a uh, fan-shaped window at one end of the main pool, which is just incredible. Yeah, oh, right, I'll send okay. you a picture. Oh, yeah, you should do. Yes, <laughs> yeah, please it's do. Such a, it's such a stunning place. <laughs> no, it's interesting to look at and what yeah. was going on in other countries as well. So, yeah. yeah. Um, you gave a version of this paper at the BSSH's conference. Yes. At Liverpool this year was was that your first BSSH? It was. Yeah, it was yeah. my first first so one. How how did it go? Huh? I thought it went really well, actually. I found um, it was very uh, sort of welcoming environment, and um, it was it was so interesting that everyone's papers were so varied, and um, and obviously the, the people that I was speaking with were, were looking at gender as well. But um, I found it yeah very friendly and um, open environment really to to get this information out there because this is sort of the first time the first group of people I've really presented this to so oh okay yeah, yeah not really ask. um not this hasn't really apart from a little um talk at Victoria Bass yeah this is the first time I've started and did you find talks. that they were more focused on just sport or were they I don't know I, I wasn't actually at that session I think I was at a different oh, session oh right that okay day, so. yeah well it was I think the other people were, were talking about manga and manga and and, and things like that. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, it was quite a diverse Yeah, one. it was really diverse. <laughs> I suppose it's yeah. to do with imagery, though, visual imagery. And yeah, sport, it was very though. visual, and that's why, yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was with them. But um, I really liked how, because um, mine's obviously quite broad, because I'm talking about several sports, but it was very interesting that some people, everyone's interests are so different, and obviously there was a lot about little-known sports, you know, things I don't really know that much about. Like, um, but yeah, so I, I did attend some of the other sessions and oh, it was great. really interesting. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed it. And uh, so what's next for you? So PhD? Yeah, finishing the PhD. Yeah. Um, so we've got, um, well, just under a couple of years left. So I'll um, just be writing, I think, for a long time now. And you know, like I said, getting everything together. And then um, beyond that, I'm not really sure. I do do my own stained glass work. I yeah, do paint well, yeah, and I things. Yeah, I wanted to ask so. you about that. So did the did that making stained glass predate your research or were you inspired by your research to go into it? Well, because I, 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 I come from a, a fine art background, so I'd done uh, photography and painting before. Mm. Um, but it was actually... Because I, when I first started studying stained glass, it, well, it was the historical side of it. At Manchester University, I did a, an MA module in Victorian stained glass there. Um, so, but since then, um, I've, I've become more interested in making my own work. So picking up on the background, um, but I've done, um, I did the MA at York, the stained glass conservation MA. So it's kind of a bit of everything really. It's the historical side, conservation and the art side. So, um, it's just basically my whole, my whole world really. (laughs) So one, one, one avenue will, will be the, the way it goes, I'm sure (laughs) eventually. (laughs) And do you, um, do you tweet about stained glass and... No, doing? I don't really yeah. use Seems a shame because really it's such a visual Twitter. kind of uh, I know, I know, I know. I've never got into Twitter. I've got, I've got all the other social media. I've got Instagram and Facebook. Oh, okay. well, Insta's just as yeah, good for Yeah, like I've that, got Instagram, but not, not there, Twitter. Are there stained glass nerds out there? There's lots of stained glass nerds out right. there, yes. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's going to make me look at um, London in a different way, I think, because we were talking earlier on and you kind of associate stained glass with churches. Yes. But of course, actually, the built environment, there's lots of stained glass around, isn't there? Exactly. And um, a lot of people tend to to miss it, really. And even some of the people that one of some of the buildings I've visited, um, some of the people who work there, had say that they kind of don't really notice it or they'd forgotten it was there it's and a part of my my whole um my research one of my my main aims is to is to make people realize it's not just a passive art form Mm. it's um it actually had a lot of uh, messages as well and and obviously messages originally but messages that um they've gained over the hundred or so years that they've been there so that's that's one of the things i want to kind of change the way people think about stained glass well, I think that's a great message because I think it's something that sports historians could take on board. You know, that, um, our our sources can come from any number of uh, places, not just the archive, but exactly, yeah. the environment that we live in. Well, yeah. thanks, thanks a lot for taking some time to talk, and I'm looking forward to your paper, which you'll be giving Thank shortly. You. Yes, I will be. Um, listeners will be able to hear that paper um, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, once I've edited everything and got it all together. Um, And if you're listening out there and you think you've done some research on sport or leisure history that would be suitable for the seminar series at the IHR, we're looking for speakers for next year, for 2021. Our programme's full up for this academic year. Um, But if you want to present, uh, do get in touch via the BSSH website, which is sportinhistory.org, or you can tweet us at the BSSH's account. But until uh, next episode, um, it's goodbye from both of us. Goodbye. Goodbye.